You're listening to the Government Huddle Podcast, brought to you by GMARQU. Each episode features a unique discussion led by Open Text Public Sector Executive and Global Government Thought Leader, Brian Chittister. Experts in all things government from around the world join the show to share their stories and provide insight into the rapidly changing landscape that is the public sector. From digital transformation to workforce issues and even thoughts on policy, nothing is off limits. Come on, let's huddle up. Well, like to say is like, you know, nobody's just, you know, shooting out an email with a $10 million PL. I mean, that's not how it happens, right? That ultimately an organization has to engage directly with a customer. You have to be able to sit across from a customer, talk to a customer on the phone and be able to articulate, hey, yes, we do understand your business. We understand your requirements. We understand your priorities. And this is how what we can do will help you as an organization continue to be successful, provide a higher level of constituent service, fulfill a mission. And if you as a marketer can contribute to that process, you then become not just someone who is providing value that's difficult to measure, you actually become someone that's providing value that can be measured. And that measurement is attached to, to revenue pipeline. And, and that for organizations, that, that's what's most important. Welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. The world of government marketing can be a very intimidating place with its complexity and competitiveness. However, if you understand the basics of government marketing, you'll undoubtedly have more success selling your products and services in this environment. I know we've discussed this on the show, but when trying to market your products and services to the government, it's important to create a government-focused marketing plan, look at a value-based understanding of your company's scopes and abilities, and create a government-specific web presence as well. And you have to have government-focused capability statements for each agency. But even more important than that, you need to understand that you're helping the organizations you want to work with, and they have challenges that you need to help them solve. Their CIOs have challenges that keep them up at night, and you need to understand how you can help them. That's true partnership, and that's what they want. And my guest today has not only been a friend of mine for the better part of a decade, but is definitely one of the experts in the space. His company really seeks to help you do just that. Be a partner by understanding your target market's challenges and then create content to address them directly. Mark Hausman is the CEO of Strategic Communications Group, which they self-identify as the digital media company for the modern marketer. And Mark is going to speak with us today on a few topics, including agency-based marketing, which I know is important to a lot of my listeners. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining, buddy. Hey, Brian. It is awesome to be here. Thanks for having me, man. It's been good catching up. I know we've we've known each other for a little while, I'm, I, and I think this conversation is is really good timing. I've been having discussions with people around the differences between digital transformation and IT modernization and it, two really... I guess buzzwords, um, and I see a strategic difference. IT modernization has been just a, a legacy uh, technology replacement, whereas digital transformation, it's really more strategic. They're really looking to drive outcomes with line of business missions. So I think with that has come, I think, more intelligence around how the government is taking a look at technology and, as you call it, the the rise of the enlightened buyer. What are you seeing in this regard? Yeah, so that that's a great starting point for this discussion, Brian. I, you know, the enlightened buyer, and, and you know, full credit. That's a phrase that uh, the analyst from Gartner Group uses, and and Forrester Research uses the phrase "the buyer's journey." It, it really kind of captures the really dramatic transformation that has occurred in the last ten years in terms of how federal agency and state and local buyers 
evaluate their requirements, make purchasing decisions, and then and engage with the vendor community. And it's all kind of aligned with this theme of transformation that you were just alluding to. That historically, if you look at how the buying process worked, you know, companies would engage in marketing activities designed to create a lot of noise and, and then hope for the best, basically. And it was really a sales driven environment that as organizations identified leads, their, their salespeople would go out and not just initiate discussions, but do a whole lot of education, really trying to inform buyers about capabilities, functionality, solutions, but also the specific applications of those technologies. And buyers were really dependent upon sales reps. Well, you know, I mean, we know the reality of human nature is that people don't love being sold to. So what we started seeing happen, and again, this goes back a couple of different years, is that Broadband adoption enabled more web, internet functionality, enabled the rise of social media, and it just gave buyers the ability to study and learn and gather information and interact with their peers on their own. And, you know, if you look at research that the analyst firms have done, what, what they found is that your typical buyer, whether it is in the commercial markets or public sector, is now on average about 70% of the way through the buy process before they actually engage with any specific vendor or sales organization. And what's interesting is this is actually the kind of the rise of the enlightened buyer has been more profound and defined in the public sector. And, and I often I've thought a lot about why that is. And what I've kind of concluded, Brian, is that you know, in government, there really is kind of this collaborative spirit that exists between government agencies, whether it's federal and federal or federal and state and local, that they're always interested in sharing a lot of best practices and tools and technologies. So you get a lot of this interaction among buyers in these online and social environments. And so the rise of the enlightened buyer basically refers to the fact that kind of there's been this shift in terms of how customers, how buyers find information, what, what they do with that information, then ultimately when they choose to engage with the vendor to learn more about capabilities and solutions. Yeah, I think the other the other piece of that, because I agree with you, I think especially across different uh, different levels of government, they do like to collaborate and understand kind of where other departments and agencies are finding value. But the other thing is, I think the structure of that procurement process sometimes doesn't allow for them to do the same type of due diligence that a private a private sector entity can do. So it, it puts a little bit more onus on the marketer and the, and the salesperson to understand those points throughout that journey that are that are very much uh, formally aligned to drive that information forward. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, and I think that you know what what you're kind of coming to is the fact that you know in the public sector whether it's federal, state, and local, it, it, it's not just another vertical market, right? I mean, it's, it's a unique buying environment and that the companies that do most or that are most successful here don't just have solutions and capabilities that are relevant to the requirements of, pu of public sector agencies, but they also understand the environment. They understand how to sell. They understand what, what they can and cannot do when it comes to engaging with specific you know, federal agencies, state and local municipalities. And, and it's one of the reasons why. I mean, and I, I think you've talked about this extensively on, on your podcast over the last couple of months, you know, kind of the, the, the role that thought leadership now plays in helping, you know, government buyers make more informed decisions, you know, really is something that, I mean, there's always been content marketing. I mean, that's existed for a long time, but there's much more clarity over the last, I would say, 24 months about how important thought leadership is, 
you know, for, for marketers to not just sell, but to really kind of inform and educate and build trust with their specific buyers. So when the opportunity presents itself, they're seen as basically an organization that can meet that need. That's an absolutely spot on point. And part of my passion lately has been taking a look at what the evolution of what the marketing role was, is, and what it can become. And I think thought leadership is a large part of that. We as marketers have traditionally look to other people within or the organization to help support them to to be that voice and be that thought leader. And I think it's getting to a point now, and especially as we mentioned the rise in the enlightened buyer, the buyers are are getting more intelligent on how they're consuming information. So marketers, I think, need to be more intelligent around what the market is, what the what the products and solutions are that they're serving, and really understand the why, not just what they're offering, but why it's so important and why it meets the market. And they can really drive that thought leadership forward. And I think over the past 18 months um, in the pandemic, I think is especially when you're working more so in silos, um, being able to drive that forward is going to be incumbent within the marketing role. Now, what are you seeing, especially, I mean, you, you do a lot of programs with different companies with your organization. What type of thought leadership programs are you seeing are getting a lot of traction within government right now, right now and the pieces of content that are getting a lot of traction too? Yeah, that's a great question. So so to quickly, quickly define what it is that I do. So Strategic Communications Group is a digital media company, and, and we really have a simple focus. It is to help marketers better leverage their organization's thought leadership to drive revenue capture. And we run a couple of different quasi-journalistic sites which serve as platforms for content creation, content syndication, and demand generation. The one that's most relevant to your listeners is a site called Government Technology Insider. And so you ask a really good question. Okay, so I help you know technology product vendors and systems integration companies, professional services firms, better leverage, better utilize thought leadership through the content creation and syndication process. What's most effective? And, and it really comes down to one word, and it's one simple word. The word is context. So, you know, when, when I start talking to a company and I look at their existing thought leadership portfolio, so whether it is webinars or white papers, case studies, blogs, they, they typically do a really good job of talking about features and functionality and applications. But but the liability or kind of where I, I see a gap is, is when they try to to address specifically how their solution fits within the context of what government agencies have prioritized with their buy. So you, you talked before about transformation, you talked before about modernization, or maybe it's meeting certain um, requirements, certain policy requirements that the federal government has set. But what companies, I believe, need to do a better job of when it comes to their content is explaining to the buyer, okay, here's what it is that we do, and here's how it fits within these overall trends which are influencing and shaping your agency, or here's how it fits within the requirements that your agency has to meet certain policies or meet certain requirements, especially in areas like cybersecurity. So it's that context. And in journalism, it used to be referred to as like, if you look at what makes news, it's who, what, when, where, all very important. The why is always the most important. And what I found with a lot of content, again, as I look at, you know, kind of companies in their existing content portfolio, they kind of bury the why. 
rather than leading with that, they bury it down there at the end. Like they talk about their capabilities and their solutions, and it's not overly salesy. It's usually thought leadership oriented, but it's that lack of context, the lack of helping a buyer understand where your solution fits into the mix of what my priorities are. That that seems to be an area that companies need to improve a little bit. Yeah, I think one of the things we forget about is even though there are sites out there that have news and information for the public sector, they rely on private sector entities to kind of help inform them on what's out there too. So as a marketer, don't just look at some of the content that you have as as just a sales or demand generation function. Look at that thought leadership because ultimately you want to get eyes on it. Yep. So it might not come behind a form, but it might be that way of getting somebody ultimately to go to that next asset that is behind a form because you are really showing the why that maybe they didn't quite understand before they engaged with your piece. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I think there's there's two other issues here that I think are very relevant to your listeners. The first is you, you talked about getting eyes on content. And what I've seen is there is a lot of effort and resource and care and consideration given to the content creation process. And I think that's awesome. I mean, that's part of the business that I'm in. I, I think you know, the investment that organizations have made in thought leadership content creation and blogs in, you know, white papers and case studies and other presentations has been awesome. But but again, there is not as much consideration given into how that content is being promoted or kind of what's referred to in our world as how it's being syndicated. So it's like kind of like you remember the movie The Usual Suspects with Kaiser Sosa where it's kind of like, you know, he was there and poof, it's gone. It's kind of like this this view that with content, like we, I create it and I put it out on social media. I maybe put it on my website, tweet it out a couple of times, and then poof, I'm on to the next thing. And what I really try to argue to, to marketers is like, okay, wait a second. Let's put as much thought and effort and consideration into how you're going to be putting that content in front of specific buyers. Is it more important to have one really good blog post and to maximize that visibility and exposure? That, that's probably more important than having three or four blog posts that you just kind of throw out there and hope for the best. The, the second issue that that you know I think is really relevant for our discussion here is the issue of like where, like from a sales revenue generation perspective, what really can be expected of thought leadership? And, and again, I, I continue to be perplexed by, and you've, you've talked about this before on some of your podcasts, the issue of lead guarantees. Like, is thought leadership all about throwing off a couple hundred names and handing those over to sales? Or is it about identifying a higher quality prospect, identifying through both your content strategy, through the study of your analytics, what are the agencies, which agencies are really spending time with my content? How are they finding it? What are they doing once they get there? Because that more informed, educated buyer becomes a much more viable opportunity for the organization. So again, two things that I, that I would really ask marketers to think about. Again, the first one being, what are you doing from a content syndication perspective? And then secondly, you know, as you look at this content strategy, as you look at your promotional effort, you look at your marketing campaign, is it really all about identifying a volume of names or is it kind of this combination of a certain number of top of the funnel leads combined with an understanding of engagement to really evaluate and measure the level of interest of those prospects? Beyond just putting it out there and syndicating, I've always thought that when you do have a thought leadership piece, because it is valuable to the market, 
you get the most out of it as well when you enable your sales team on how to use it. What are you seeing from a sales enablement standpoint where marketing is really kind of driving the narrative around how pieces can be used within that sales process? Yeah, a- amen to that. I mean, I- I'll tell you, it's, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you know this. I mean, your listeners know this. Historically, there's always been this somewhat dysfunctional dynamic that can exist between sales and marketing, right? I mean, we all get that. And a lot of times it has to do with the fact that, you know, sales can be very tactically oriented around a specific opportunity or specific customer, whereas marketers have to blend the tactical requirements with the overall strategic considerations of the business, whether it's brand or how you're positioned in the marketplace. So there's this this interesting dynamic that exists. And I think, you know, what you're alluding to is, is a really good best practice that organizations that have figured out that our sales team, our, our sales organization can serve as not just a really good channel to put our content in front of specific prospects and customers and key partners. But man, if we actually engage and talk to our sales to get an understanding of what they're hearing on the street from the prospects that they're talking about, that insight, that guidance can be used to inform the content strategy. And it's interesting, like if you look at, if you go to Government Technology Insider, we publish a lot of Q&As, a lot of podcasts. And, and what's interesting, Brian, is the podcasts that generate the most interest, the most viewership, the most engagement from specific customers aren't always the profile podcasts with the chief technology officer or you know the senior level vice president. It's often the thought leader or the technologist that's working in the trenches because what buyers ultimately want to know is like, you know, hey, policy is great. Big picture vision is awesome. But I I got this thing that I need to do. I I got this specific requirement that I have to address this week. (laughs) What is it that you can help me? How can you help me do that? And, And often the best content is going to come from the person that's in the trenches with me, helping me address that specific tactical requirement. I think to that point. And, and I've addressed it on this show. I think one of the things that we as marketers should also look at is perfection isn't the goal because and anybody, any person that you're trying to reach within government knows that even if they buy the best technology, no matter what it is, whether it's from you or somebody else, it's implementation, getting it adopted and the outcomes, it's not going to be a perfect process. It's not going to be a painless process. It's going to be a little bit challenging. and I think we're often looking for case studies that just show seamless interaction, a perfect narrative. And really what I've found is that the government audience wants truth. They want reality. They want to know that, yeah, they're going to, they're going to buy your stuff and it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be the easiest thing they've ever done, but you know what? It's going to be worth it. And this is what other customers have done. This has been the the challenges that they face throughout implementation. This is how we've worked to make them better. But ultimately, these are the outcomes that they're getting. And this is what you can expect. And I think that's that reality, that dose of truth is ultimately going to be more valuable to that government customer. It's what they're looking for. Yeah, Brian, I, you know, I think you're spot on. You know, it's interesting, you, you know, as I kind of listen to you talk, it makes me think about, remember years ago, um, the the office retailer Staples had that camp, that uh, television advertising campaign with the easy button. Uh-huh. And boy, I mean, did that create wrong expectations, right? Um, because whether it is a comprehensive cyber strategy or the adoption of the hybrid cloud or an overall modernization approach or implementing an ERP, you know, software solution, it's freaking, it's hard. It is, it's hard and it's painful. And every organization has got 
a different culture and a different process and often different ways that they like to work. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you're spot on. Like, you know, you talk about the reality and, and truth and setting expectations. You know, when you do that through your marketing program, when you do that through your content, when your salespeople do that, not only does it make for a more informed customer, it establishes just a higher level of credibility for your organization. And I mean, as you know, I mean, people do business. They buy from people that they know and trust. And credibility is such an important thing. So, yeah, you know, you often look at case studies where it seems like, man, putting in place this new solution just seems like it's one, two, three, and you're up and running. That your point is well made, that that often the content that's going to be most effective, the approach that's going to be most effective, where it's like, yeah, this is going to be a little bit challenging. This is going to require a little bit of a culture change. But wow, when you look at what happens once we are able to do this successfully, the outcome, the return is going to be so compelling. It's going to be so strong that it's going to make this process worthwhile. When you've worked with companies that are putting these case studies together, because I think we, we can all agree those are some of the most valuable pieces of content that are out there. Uh, they're, they're difficult to get sometimes and having a willing customer to come forward and, and really support the the manufacturing of one can be tough. But when you do have one, they're they're worth their weight in gold. What have been some of the the more creative ways that you've seen organizations push push these messages out there? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and I've got a couple thoughts on that. So the first is you're absolutely right. I mean, especially in the public sector, you cannot be dependent upon case studies. And, and it, it's nothing against an organization. It's just, you know, a lot of agencies have, you know, certain, you know, set rules regarding what it is that they can and can't talk about when it comes to promoting a specific vendor. And so what we've seen on our site, so we, we've got three sites that really have re- very strong public sector readership and engagement. I mentioned Government Technology Insider. Um, the second is Future Healthcare Today, which is a strong following in federal healthcare. And then we've got a site called Today's Modern Educator, which has got a strong uh, community of readers, K through 12, all the way up through higher education. Obviously, you know, because it's education oriented, there's a strong connection to uh, state and local municipalities and even some federal. And so what we've seen when it comes to, you know, case studies is not so much being dependent upon the specific customer, but really tapping into an organization's thought leaders to talk about the relationship with a specific agency or a type of agency. And as we were talking about before, being very candid and upfront about realistic expectations for what a certain technology or solution or capability can deliver for that agency. So relying on an organization's thought leaders, that's one approach that we've seen. And whether it is Q&As or podcasts or videos, you know, thought leaders actually and organizations, thought leaders serve as a wonderful resource. The second thing that's really interesting that we've seen very effective is looking for when marketers look at their partner community, because often a certain capability, and this is especially true with technology vendors, a certain capability is not implemented on the customer site just by the technology vendor, that they often will have a systems integration or services or reseller partner or a distributor partner. And often partners can bring a different perspective. So whereas the technology vendor might talk about features and functionality, and that's really where their expertise is, they might be working with a reseller that knows that specific customer that's got a longstanding relationship with that customer and can talk about how this technology fits within their overall modernization strategy, their overall cybersecurity approach. And so, again, this kind of reinforces some of the things that we've talked about, looking at content from a content perspective and then offering a couple of different views or perspectives, all that specifically align with that customer's unique requirements. 
I think that that's something I, I hope the listeners heard because when you get into government marketing and you're doing case studies, it becomes a very linear focus, right? My customers, the government, we have X, Y, and Z customer that I can approach and hopefully they say yes and we can build a case study. But the longer you do this, you realize you can work with partners too and they can be the ones that actually can be the voice as to why your technology was so valuable to them in serving the customer. And that can be a really powerful message to government and and work just as well as a certain case study. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And even like, you know, we're, we're really fortunate. I mean, we work with some of the world's, you know, largest, you know, technology brands and systems integrators. So if you go and you look at my sites, you can really see some interesting content submitted by global companies. Even those global companies are, are really quick to, to acknowledge and recognize the fact that they, they don't do they, they don't do it all by themselves. It's not just their capability. It's not just their solution that I think in the public sector vendor community, the ability to partner and the ability to articulate how you're working collaboratively, not just with you know the companies that are maybe implementing a new solution, but you've talked extensively on your podcast about kind of like legacy technologies. And that, you know, vendors have to understand, like, especially with, you know, whether it's cloud or cyber, you know, the agency isn't throwing out all the stuff that they've already invested in, that they're looking at their legacy solutions and their legacy technologies and trying to understand what you have to offer. How does it fit in with my existing technology environment? So, you know, being able to articulate those different perspectives as part of a content strategy and then utilizing your partners to help with syndication, you know, utilizing all these different channels to reach, you know, reach the customer and the prospect community all becomes very important. So I think sometimes marketers shy away from thought leadership campaigns. And the primary reason is it's hard to justify ROI. Yeah. So, yep. Amen. so, yep. so what's, what's a realistic expectation around ROI and even more so, what are some of the analytics that you're looking at when it comes to thought leadership that are actually driving uh, sales and, and in support of what the sales team's needs and, and concerns are? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so what, you know, and we have that discussion all the time with marketers, you know, what are some realistic expectations from thought leadership? And, and it's not you know, yes, it helps with brand visibility and it helps with credibility and all of those. Those are all good things. But, you know, in the public sector, you know, Brian, a lot of your your listeners are field marketers or industry marketers where, you know, they've got this interesting challenge. They can't do anything in conflict with the brand. So they do have to support brand visibility and reputation in the public sector. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're really held accountable for driving that sales pipeline. So, so what we suggest is really kind of a focus on three key things. The first is using the content marketing program and related syndication activities to enhance the success and effectiveness of investments already being made in lead generation programs. So whether it is webinars or now that the pandemic is winding down, whether it's restarting kind of an event program. But, you know, a lot of times organizations have these online events or they participate in industry conferences. And again, it's like a moment in time and then it's over. 
And what we also, what we argue is like, yeah, that moment in time creates a lot of high value thought leadership content that you can integrate into your content program so that a webinar, the lifetime value of that webinar extends. So if you look again, you look at Government Technology Insider, you see a lot of content where we are sourcing editorial specifically from an organization's webinar, from their online events or from their user conference, from their customer events and extending the lead opportunities that come from that. The second thing that we always recommend, and you've talked about this in the podcast before, is the issue of account-based marketing. And What's interesting about this is there are, you know, you look at the federal space in particular, it's almost like a series of kind of like mini verticals, like what the defense community requirements are different from intelligence. It's different from civilians, it's different from law enforcement, it's different from healthcare. And so being able to align a marketing program and a content strategy to address all these mini verticals, I mean, that is at the very heart of account-based marketing. And one of the great things about digital and social and online is that you can really micro-target your content to specifically address the needs and to attract the, the interests of specific target agencies. And then the third area is, man, a- analytics. I always like to tell people, analytics tells all, right? So people can say a lot of stuff, but customers tell you what they think by how they spend their time. And it's fascinating. So we actually have an offering at Strategic. So people can actually publish their thought leadership content on any of our, what we refer to as our online buyer communities at no no price, no cost at all. So we have a site called Content Plus Insights, which is a portal that it's easy to use, easy to register. People can just basically upload their content. Our editorial team will take a look at it and you can publish your content on any of our sites and there's no charge to do it. And, and the reason why we encourage people to do that is because, man, the analytics that we're able to show, that we're able to throw off from our different sites really gives marketers a roadmap to understand where their capabilities are generating interest and engagement specifically in the public sector. And you can look at the analytics from any of our sites and clearly map out like, wow, which agencies are spending a lot of time reading about mobile security or which are reading a lot about hybrid cloud or which agencies are reading a lot about modernization. And the analytics provides a roadmap, not just for the marketing team, but also for the sales organization to understand, okay, where do I need to prioritize my time? Which agencies do I need to focus on based on how they're expressing their needs and their requirements? You mentioned account-based marketing or agency-based marketing. I think that's something that we all we we all kind of struggle to wrap our arms around, especially in the government space, because it is really an, an industry of industries, and each department is the size of a large, uh, some of the largest corporations in the world. Absolutely. So, so when you narrow it down, how do you approach account-based marketing when you are are taking a look at a federal civilian market. If if you had some advice to some of the marketers here on how to uh, on how to take those first steps in, in an approach towards an account based marketing program to the federal civilian market, for example, what would those be? Yeah, great question. So so I typically recommend two things. The first is from a content creation perspective in targeting a specific agency or a specific set of agencies. If they were say federal civilian those agencies, it's important to write about those agencies, 
not disclosing any information that you have that might not be, you know, out there. But, you know, agencies, senior leadership at agencies make a lot of public statements. And those public statements exist out in the public domain and they can be incorporated specifically into your content program. Now, they're not going to be talking about your capability or your solution, but they might be talking about their modernization priorities or they might be talking about other technology priorities that they've talked about at industry conferences or at vendor sponsored events. Though that thought leadership from the specific agency that you're interested in selling to, that you're interested in attracting to, can be incorporated into your content. So again, if you go back and you look at Government Technology Insider, we have a lot of really good editorial that's sourced from agencies, from senior level buyers at different agencies. Most of that content actually comes from things that we've pulled from public environments, from different industry conferences and events. So incorporating the word, the very words of the agencies that you want to attract into your content strategy is one recommendation that I always provide to people. The second thing is all about how you then syndicate or promote that content. So there are different social media platforms like LinkedIn that you can micro-target specific buyers. There are you know, different ways that you can organize content. So if you look at Government Technology Insider, we have a variety of different editorial sections sponsored by companies like Verizon and Oracle and Checkmarks that they're dedicated editorial environments that are specifically designed to attract a certain set of agencies. And so through your content strategy and your content creation approach and through how you promote and syndicate that content, you can absolutely attract specific agencies and even specific buyers at those agencies to your content, then using analytics to measure what their level of interest and engagement is. The other thing I would add there is when when you are looking to build out an ABM program, this is a perfect opportunity to ingratiate yourself with the sales leadership and, and to build more rapport and ask the right questions and get an understanding of what their priorities are for the year. Where do they see opportunity to? And you can influence that by saying, I'm, I'm seeing this and this from these certain departments, or you've, you've looked at revenue numbers from the past year and you know where um, we have cross-sell, upsell opportunity, et cetera. This is a great time for you to pull in some of that internal intelligence uh, and and really be strategic with it, with your sales leadership. It's a great opportunity to build that relationship. Yeah, I love that, Brian. And, and I'll add one more thing to that. You know, what we've seen with a number of the different systems integration professional services programs that we work for are specific contract capture campaigns. Now it's kind of, that's kind of like account agency based mm -hmm. marketing, um, but it is really narrowly focused on a specific contract opportunity that that systems integration company is pursuing. And so we've seen with a number of the different services organizations that we work for where they have worked, their marketers have engaged directly with the sales, the contract capture team. They know the specific opportunity that they're pursuing. They know defined specific capabilities that they have. And that type of guidance from sales then informs everything that they do from a marketing perspective, all that aligns specifically to support a proposal that they ultimately hope to submit. So Mark, we've covered a lot today, but let me ask you this. What do you see next what's what's the future of marketing within government in 2021 and beyond especially in the the quote unquote post pandemic world that we're going to be in yeah I, you know so i'm going to take kind of a, a loaded, loaded question right no no <laughs> i it's it's a great yeah and the great thing about future projections are like you know whether you're right or wrong it's you know it is the ultimate thought leadership right um yeah i see kind of a content view of it so i think a couple i've seen a couple different things that have happened the first is you know, I honestly do believe that there's going to be kind of a thinning of the thought leadership herd. 
And what I mean by that is, you know, man, what we have seen with all of the different organizations that we work for is that marketers have placed a tremendous amount of time requests on the different thought leaderships, thought leaders that work for their organizations. And because these thought leaders are often technologists or program management or, you know, people that are required to engage with customers that they just they're, they're becoming more and more stressed, their time and more and more limited in the amount of time that they can give to support marketers in that content creation process. So thought leadership has been this awesome buzzword. It was during the pandemic, everything was going digital and thought leaders had this time to contribute content. But as events spin back up and the ROI, as we've talked about, has been a little bit murky. I think it's going to continue. It's going to be more and more challenging for marketers to be able to tap into thought leaders and get as much time as they have in the past. So the kind of the thinning of the thought leadership herd. The second big trend that I've seen, and it's kind of a related one, is that marketers, there's kind of like what I refer to as this panic to publish. Like, man, I got to publish two blog posts every week. doesn't matter. I got to get two blog posts out or I got to get a webinar out every month. And I think there's going to be more of a thoughtful view that content that is created, the lifetime value, the span of that content is longer than most people expect. So again, I want to come back to, to the things that we've published on our different online buyer communities. Some of the best content, the most, the content that's attracted the most readership, the most engagement from different federal and state and local agencies has been content that we've sourced from webinars and online events and case studies that our client had produced and published six months ago, nine months ago, in some cases a year ago. That there's a lot more lifespan, there's a lot more evergreen value to this content. And so I think as I look at 2022, it's going to be harder and harder for marketers to tap into their thought leaders. And as a result, there's going to be this recognition that the existing content portfolio, I got to do more with what I've got. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it really goes to what I touched on earlier, where it's an opportunity for marketers to step into some of those roles and be thought leaders as well, because you're, you're working in the space, you understand the personas, and you start to delve into the whys, I think it's it's important that we can really take ownership of some of that and and start to build content out ourselves. I think that's that's going to be the next evolution of the role. And uh, and this could certainly be a, a catalyst for it. So, yeah, I want to tell that's a great point. And, and I think, you know, as you know, historically, Brian, there was always kind of this view that, you know, uh, marketers don't have as much credibility when it comes to specific you know agencies. Um, and, and buyers and, and, you know, point is well made because I, I don't think this is true anymore. Um, you know, again, what we've seen with the content that we have produced and syndicated across our different sites is that content that is attributed to marketers that sources different third party pieces of information that demonstrates a level of industry expertise and context seems to perform just as well as things that are sourced from a chief technology officer. Well, and thought leadership doesn't always have to manifest itself in a white paper or an infographic or a blog post, or even going to an event to speak, it could be supporting a salesperson on a customer call where you're going in and really communicating to a deeper level, the value that your solution sets can bring to that organization because you understand what their challenges are already. You understand what they're looking for and you can map all of that to what you're trying to communicate. So it, it could just be literally direct you, uh, thought leadership. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes. So, 
again, if you look at the the role that, you know, marketing and content and thought leadership plays, it really creates an environment to be successful. Analytics provides that roadmap, gives you insight into the agencies that are expressing interest. But like to say is like, you know, nobody's just, you know, shooting you out an email with a $10 million PO. I mean, that's not how it happens, right? That ultimately an organization has to engage directly with a customer. You have to be able to sit across from a customer, talk to a customer on the phone and be able to articulate, hey, yes, we do understand your business. We understand your requirements. We understand your priorities. And this is how what we can do will help you as an organization continue to be successful, provide a higher level of constituent service, fulfill a mission. And if you as a marketer can contribute to that process, you then become not just someone who is, you know, providing value that's difficult to measure, you actually become someone that's providing value that can be measured. And that measurement is attached to, to revenue pipeline. And, and that for organizations, that, that's what's most important. So Mark, before we let you go, any final thoughts you want to leave with the listeners today? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I want to stress a couple of different things here. The first is please, please, please go back and look at that existing content portfolio because there is gold there. There really is. Um, there are things that your organization has created over the past year that you can use in Q3, in Q4, even Q1 2022 and get a lot of value from. And then the second thing I want to, again, reinforce is from a syndication perspective, you know, let's make sure that you continue to think about ways that you can take this content portfolio and put it in front of customers, put it in front of partners, put it in front of buyers. And some of those syndication platforms are free to use. I mean, again, I've got my Content Plus Insight site that is easy to use and it's free. And all it takes is just a little bit of time to take your content and share it with different different customers and different prospects. And, and that just putting it in front of putting a little more effort into the syndication process, I think is really going to lead to a positive outcome. I think there's a lot of really good advice in our, our conversation today. So really appreciate you taking the time and, and kind of letting us into what's next in, in thought leadership and where you're seeing value. Really appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a lot of fun and I'll wish you a wonderful day. This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to gmarku.com or wherever you access your podcasts. And please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Chittastray B. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye for now.